Hi, I'm Terry Zabolski, pastor of Grace Community Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's message. I hope and trust that God's Word is a blessing to you as you live for Him each and every day. for me to, uh, to have Jonathan come. If he bears any likeness to me and it annoys you, forgive me. He got it for me. He got the Zabolski walk. That's a part that's, I guess it's in the genes. Got it from my dad. So, uh, but uh, God has uh, given him a message and uh, we've been praying all week that God would uh, use him in a powerful way. And so welcome uh, Jonathan as he comes and preaches. God bless you, buddy. Look Thank forward. You. Uh, <laughs> let's put this over here. All right. Uh, this is completely different for me. I'm, I'm used to preaching at a, at a mission, I've said before, where half the audience is sleeping with headphones in, and the other half is really engaged in telling me to, to, to ring the, the lemon and keep bringing it. And uh, so this is completely different, and it's actually a church setting, so... That's big, and my dad's taking pictures. Um, <laughs> that's real, real different. <laughs> but uh, and for a lot of you guys, it, it's, it's strange. Some of the people here used to be my Sunday school teachers, and I'm not sure uh, how you guys will be able to hear me today, um, especially in elementary school, putting me in the corner for talking too much. Um, and Alan and Gensler's were a couple times. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and then uh, when I got old enough to go into big church, hearing my dad, and then my mom would tell my dad if I was talking during the service, and then I'd get spanked when I got home. So, Mom, let me know if Dad talks today. Um, <laughs> seriously, no. All right. So today we're going to talk about the issue of, of the Christian and the culture. It's a hot-button issue today, and... I kind of stole a little bit of a phrase, the purpose-driven Christian. I don't, there's a long series of purpose-driven something, fill in the blank. I don't, it seems like 30 books written. I wanted it to be memorable, so I just put the purpose-driven Christian. Um, I'm not going to publish this for fear of trademark, if there is a book called that, but uh, we're going to get into this. So let's start with a word of prayer, and then um, let's get in and see what Paul has to say. Dearly Father, Lord, uh, I thank you for this, uh, this time where believers can come together and uh, fellowship around your word, worshiping you and praising you for who you are. Um, Lord, but this gift that you've given us, I, I pray that we don't, we don't just keep it to ourselves, that we are actually good stewards of it, just not learning, but applying the gospel. Uh, so I, I pray today that um, for some of us, you, you break us down and convict us, and for others that you encourage us in the right way. I pray uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. When I say the word missions, a lot of us think of remote areas like Africa and India and China. Uh, some of us think of cool places like Thailand. But if we, if we take what Paul said in Acts 17, 26, that God designates our, not only um, our, our temporal time, of that not, we weren't born in the 19th century, the 3rd century, but we're right now. Um, and also the location of, of where we're supposed to be. Um, sometimes we don't like the fact that we live here in the Harrisburg area. 
Seems like all the big things happen right by us in New York or Baltimore or D.C., but God wanted us to be right here in this time. And that's not an accident. I know a lot of, a lot of you guys have kids, and a lot of the kids are like, I want to get out of, I want to get out of here. I want to go where the action is. God determined us to be right here right now. What that means is that missions, is if we are Christians, missions doesn't just take place in remote areas like India and China and Africa. Missions happens there, but it also happens here. And if we have the gospel, um, we, we learn about the gospel, we also need to apply it. Um, and so we need to learn about our area. We need to learn about this Harrisburg-Carlisle area. That, that's what I, I think our mission ground is. Um, took a lot of time to come up with Harrisburg-Carlisle. I know it doesn't sound... All that great. It's a, lot, it's a mouthful. Um, but, uh, you know, it originally started with Cumberland County. And I don't think Cumberland County is our area because we're very much in the east side of Cumberland County and extends so west and so south. I don't even know half those cities, half those towns. Um, never even heard of them. Um, and then we're not just Harrisburg because we're not all the way on the, uh, on, on the suburbs on the east side. But I, I think that what we are is Harrisburg downtown and then the suburbs going this way. I think that's, that, that's our mission field. That's who we have to reach. And so what does that look like for us? A lot of us, this is brand new. We've never thought about this before. We, we, ne- we don't think because it's, it's uh, five years ago, this area was voted the number one most conservative area in the country. It was. Some of you, that's surprising because you see Al Gore stickers on certain cars. And you're like, oh, that's it. And I'm not, I'm not trying to get into politics here to say right or wrong. I'm just telling you where we live because we have to know if we're going to reach this to be a mission field. Like reaching China, we need to reach here. And so sometimes we think, I'm going to go and I'm going to do missions, and it involves getting on a plane. But it involves either being in church and then once you leave the door. That's missions. That's the heart we have to have. That's the mindset we need to have. Um, to give you an idea of how more conservative we are, um, they, they do simply the best in the area of what best uh, doctors, best whatever. Um, best radio station they voted was what, Wink 104, but the reader's choice, WHP 580. That uh, doesn't happen in most cities. That conservative talk show radio is the number one Reader's Choice Award. Um, we walk out here, walk out the door, there's two churches right out here. And we, we take this for granted because we think, hey, man, everyone's against abortion in our area. Yeah, they had one abortion clinic over in Camp Hill. Everyone protested, they shut it down. So I think generally we think everyone's pretty good here. Everyone's moral. And so we come up with this idea that, oh, man, they go to church. A lot of people go to church. But the thing is, is that there's a lot of legalism. There's a lot of behavior modification and it's not true gospel. And so it's not from the heart, heart, uh, heart to the outside, but from the outside in. And so we have to carry this way. We have to think about Harrisburg Carlisle and, and think about, do we weep for this area like Jesus wept for Jerusalem? Do we? A lot of us, uh, this is mind-blowing. I've never thought about this before. I, 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 I want to go and I want to hang out at churches and stuff. That, and a lot of it is they don't share the gospel. So first of all, um, bear with me a little bit. We're going we're gonna to get in to talk about what is the gospel. And we're going to talk about once we have the gospel, what do we do with it? So oh, if you could open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to jump around um, pretty quickly. Got water here. Because I'm probably going to end up sweating all this out by the end of the service. So I need to stay hydrated so I don't pass out right before the end. Okay, so, so this is it. This is the gospel. This is the most important thing in, the, in, in all of what Paul says. This is it right here. Um, and, and I think what ends up happening is the media sees Christians, radical Christians, conservative Christians, or hardcore liberal Christians, and they think the most important thing is whether we believe we dance, 
Whether we believe we, we dress like we're contemporaries, the little house on the prairie. And that's what Christian has been. Like, you're a person who, what? You, you, you dress and you wear clothes from the 1800s. No, no, no. The most important thing is Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is the most, this is what we need to be known for. And because we've lost this in society, no, we, we need to re, re, reclaim this. And so this is it. First uh, Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. This is probably one of the most, area, uh, most succinct areas where Paul's clear with the gospel. For I deliver to you as a first importance. This is the main thing. Everything else, eating meat in 1 Corinthians 8, worship, all these things are secondary issues. The number one is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, what is the main thing? Christ died. That's the cross. Okay, Jesus in his perfection. That, that, is, that is the main thing right there. That's the first point is Jesus came down, became like a man, was perfect, and he died. And a lot of churches preach this. They're like, yeah, Jesus, I love Jesus. A lot of people who, who don't even say they're Christian love Jesus. Um, the Muslim people love Jesus. They don't think of him as, as the God. But he's like, yeah, he's a good prophet. Yeah, he's a good teacher. And so a lot of people hold to Jesus, but they don't hold to the second part, which is this. Um, <laughs> skipping around here. Uh, what do you, why do you die? And the purpose is for our sins. The good news of Jesus Christ is conditioned upon the bad news of us. We have to know sin. We have to know that we are not perfect. We have to know that we cannot reclaim on our own uh, salvation. Now, I was listening to, um, to a lecture of Tim Keller at UC Berkeley, and he talked about how there's different narratives, and narratives, uh, postmodern talk for how you see the world. It's what, what your, your framework. What he goes on to say is that... Um, the religious people, you find your value in religion, you can't help but say that you're better than someone. When you learn things, uh, you can't help but look down your nose at someone. Because when you do deeds, you can't help but think that person's lesser. How, how can you not think that Mother Teresa would have looked down her nose at someone who was much lesser than her? You can't help but think that. And if you find your value in business and, and, and building economic um, hordes of money, you can't help but think, oh man, he's lazy and look down your nose at them. And you can't help but look down your nose at someone who's, who's a failed businessman. In the same way with environmentalism, if you find your value in the environment, then someone who drives a Hummer, you can't help but think that person is much lesser than me. You can't help but think that if that's where you find your value. But then there's a whole new narrative, and it's the grace narrative. And it's not about what you learn, it's not about what you know, it's not about anything you've done, but that you're the problem. And that Jesus Christ redeemed you where you are. And that's the problem, I think, with a lot of people is they think, oh man, Christianity is all about making me uh, look bad and making me feel bad. But a Christian is not saying, I'm better than you. But that Jesus Christ, I, it's like a blind squirrel telling another blind squirrel, I just happened to find a nut. That's it. As crazy as that is, it's true. And so there's, there's not an aura of arrogance or, or, or um, better than or elitism and so that's why Tim Keller could say, yeah, that guy might be a better father than me, but being a better father doesn't make me a Christian because I've already conceded that I'm not good. And, I'm, and that's, it's not my actions that have saved me, but Jesus Christ. And I want to be a good father, and that flows from that, but it's not. And so what ends up happening is it's good news, not good advice on how to live. It's already done for you. We talked about that a little bit the other night in historical theology. It's like... Um, it's like a king who's about to go out to war. And good news, and all the other religions are good advice. They say, all right, we're about to go out, we're about to go fight, and they bring in military advisors on how to fight the fight. That's what all the other religions do. 
But this one is, there's, there's uh, uh, someone, uh, a newsman coming in, writing in and saying, the battle's already done. Celebrate and now live with mercy and grace. And that's how the Christian should live. And that's the new perspective that as we go through this passage, I want you to think about. So, okay, so moving forward. So he died for us, contingent upon our sin. The good news, um, according to the scriptures, we have the scriptures. Now we have an avenue to Jesus. We have an avenue to God. We have general revelation. We know creation. We have everything around us, but we know about Jesus through the scriptures. And they are perfect. And that he was buried, that he was really dead. It wasn't one of these things like, ah, maybe he appeared dead to the Romans. No, no, no. He was really dead. He was really dead. And that he was raised up on the third day and he's alive. And all through Corinthians, Paul permeates the gospel. And this is one of the most practical books about how to live a Christian life in a culture. And what does Paul say? The, the, the advice on, on money and sex and health issues and gender and your role in the Bible. It's, it's the gospel. And a lot of people think the gospel is just an invitation into the Christian life. How do, how do I get saved? The gospel. Okay, then once you're saved, you live moralistic. No, the gospel, it transforms. It is a lifestyle, not an invitation into Christianity. And it's the way you view things. It changes that. So, so this is it, and it, it is important to fight for. It's important to keep that. It's important to contend. Mark Driscoll, um, I love Mark Driscoll, and I I'm kind of want to steal one of his illustrations here. Uh, what he said was that um, picture uh, the house of God like a house just like a house. And the gospel needs to be protected. You need, it, you need dogs. You need bulldogs. And you know these people. I, I go to school with these people out at Moody. You're, oh, the doctrine of Calvinism, blah, 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 blah. And they, and they defend it. And they're, they're dogs, and they need that. We need that. Um, and we get a dog, not a, not a cat, because if someone breaks into the house, a cat will lick them, a dog will bite them. Yeah, that's what we need. We need to defend that. Someone, someone breaks in, the kids are playing in the backyard, rah, 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 the dog's going to save them. He's going to protect the people. But sometimes dogs get mean. Sometimes dogs are, oh, yeah, and then they go after the newspaper guy, and they go after the ice cream man and bite the tire, and his rig flips, and then they eat the ice cream man. Just unnecessarily mean. And those are like some Christians, they need to be put down. And, and, and you go into these cons hardcore conservative churches where they're all about contending for the gospel. And it's all about protecting. Oh, yeah, this, this theology, this doctrine, blah, 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 blah. And it sends a mixed signal. It's for the same reason, Mark says, for the same reason that people don't drop off cookies at a house where there's two pit bulls roaming the front yard and a shotgun on, on the front deck. People, it sends mixed messages if people come into a church and we're like, oh, you don't know about Jesus? Blah, 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 blah. And they're like... I don't know, and then <laughs> we're not going to get new people because it's not love in word and deed, but it's just word. So we've got to have both. So, so what happens is, the question is, once you have the gospel, what do you do with it? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9. This is the main passage of what we're going to talk about today. 919. So Paul, I'm just going to read through this uh, section. It's 919 to 27. It's going to read 19 to 23 here real quick. For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all, that I, might, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. 
To those outside the law became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. So to the contenders, Paul's saying, it's not enough to just have the message, you have to do something with it. And and those contenders are like, I read Paul, I know the doctrines. Live like Paul. And the whole purpose is not to know these things and sit around and blog about the different truths and the different heresies, but to go out and share the word. So let's talk about this. So he says, for though I am free from all. Paul just talking about in 1 Corinthians 8. He grew up, uh, Philippians 3, 5 to 7, he says, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the seventh day. Okay, and that was his system. He lived in this legalistic system. Romans talks about that. The law is, the law is not bad because the law reveals my sin. But I lived in the narrative of religion, saying the religion is going to merit the favor of God. And and now he's free because Christianity transcends culture. And now he doesn't have to be a Sabbatarian. Now he can eat bacon. Now he uh, he can go out and hang out with Gentiles and people that are uncircumcised. And it's now he's free from this. Now he's free. He's not free, and we'll talk about this in a second. He's not free to go out and sin, but he's free to go from these social, cultural differences and meet with other people. That's huge. Okay. So he says, because it's almost, and I have to clarify this because it almost sounds contradictory. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. This isn't like Shawshank Redemption. The guy just got out of jail and just turns back and walks back into jail. No, this isn't like that. He's free by the way of his own legality and justification, but because of that, now he can interact with different cultures and he makes himself a slave. And he wants to win as many as possible. Not as many as convenient, but as many as are as possible. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. So what's going on here is when he realized, hey, I'm a Jew, I'm living this way, he didn't scrap the whole Jewish culture and say, I'm out of here. No, he said he's gonna come back and he's gonna... When he hangs out with them, he's going to obey their food laws. He's not going to be unnecessarily brutal with his vehicle of of exchanging the gospel. He's going to let the word be offensive, not his methods. Not his methods. In order to win the Jews, because the ultimate point of the gospel is us not to keep up our own freedoms and doing things, but to maintain ourselves and to restrict ourselves to meet people, not knowing, realizing it doesn't save us, but to just reach them so that they might come out of the Jewish legalistic society and culture. It says, though not being under the law myself, that I might win those under the law. And 21, to those outside the law, became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. To those outside the law, it wasn't like total lawlessness, it wasn't anarchy. To those outside the Gentiles, Jewish people, um, what's the old um, parable of the Good Samaritan, right? The Levite didn't stop because he didn't touch things unclean. They didn't hang out with a lot of Gentiles, the Jewish people. He broke all these rules and hung out with the Gentiles. They were seen as unclean. He said, no, I'm going to hang out. And uh, it doesn't matter if they're circumcised. It doesn't matter uh, if they eat meat, sacrifice to idols, because there's no super, superstitious meat. There's just meat. God, thank you for meat. And so he hangs out with these people, and, and it's kind of like in today's culture, it'd be like the people that are into techno, he got into techno. 
If you're into punk music, he got into punk music. He didn't go sin with them, but he learned their, their culture. When, when he went to, to Athens, he quoted them their poets. He learned their culture. He didn't go up like a Jewish guy dressed in a Jewish robe and say, hey, hey, you guys know about Josephus? No, I don't know about Josephus. He went up to him and said, hey, you know your Epicurean philosophies? They're like, yeah. You know your unknown God? Yeah. And he talked to him on a realm because they respected the fact that he respected their culture. And so well, the problem is, is sometimes we think there's just one set gospel and there is one gospel, but there's different forms. And the systematic theology, it's like, I mean, it's not a technical term, but it's like a diamond, and you can alternate it. And it's Jesus is the perfect son. God is the perfect father. He's the perfect sacrifice. When Billy Graham, when people came back from World War II, Billy Graham wrote a book on God and Jesus Christ is the perfect peacemaker because they came back from war. And that's not lies. Those aren't lies. Those are truths. And he's a different vehicle to all these people. If you're outside of a family, a lot of people who are single, they're looking for a family. God adopts people. And it's the truth. We're not changing that Jesus died. We're not compromising to the culture. But we're telling the culture. We're trying to change the culture. And the culture has, they, they, they have civic responsibilities. They say, we want to help the poor. We want to help the orphans. We want to rehabilitate the drug addicts. That's great because they're made in God's image and they value other humanity. But because of sin, sin divides. And a, a lot of unsaved people cannot get together outside of Jesus and the gospel to come together and form a utopia. Now, we're not going to form the great utopia of Thomas More here on earth, but it's going to be a lot better because Jesus Christ heals, uh, he, uh, he changes people. And so that's the part of the church, that's the part of Christians within the church to get into these societies and say, yeah, I want to help out, and here's why. Um, to those outside the law, it could mean people in the business. Paul went out and gave business seminars to people who were in the families. He talked about marriage and family. Marriage and family. Jesus Christ is the ultimate groom. Oh, really? Yeah, that's why you want to have a good marriage. He's the ultimate groom because he's not unfaithful. Family. Now you're, in, you're adopted into God's family. You don't go out and you don't cohabitate because you don't take the best of your partner without taking full responsibility, Jesus did the opposite. Jesus takes our worst before he ever takes our best. This is how the gospel changes people in this society. And so it's not the vehicle of the message that needs to offend, but let God offend our sinful hearts. To those outside the law, is on, uh, and so to clarify even further, um, he says he's under the law of Christ, so he's not denying, he's not going out and living in open sin. He's not sleeping around, he's not slandering, he's not doing these things. But he can go out and not obey the Sabbath. He can go out and he can eat a bacon cheeseburger with someone and, uh, and talk about Jesus. That's, that's what we need to be geared towards. It's a Christian subculture. I talked to one of my professors. It's one of the biggest problems. So you go into one of these Christian publications and you can pretty much buy everything you need to be a Christian living in your own culture within these Christian stories. If you work there, I'm sorry, because there is a lot of good that comes from there. A lot of literature, great CDs, awesome. But the problem is we, we, we make up our own culture with t-shirts and prayer rocks and whatever. And then like people look and they're like, these people are weird. Not because of the gospel, but because we throw up our own culture and we're like, we cannot live in culture. Jesus went 
made himself. He wasn't a general man. He was a man who lived in culture. He did. He went to parties. He didn't sin at parties. You know? and, and people always say, well, Jesus, uh, he couldn't sin, so that's why he could go and talk to the prostitutes. That's why he could go. Yeah, he took his disciples who could sin, and they didn't sin. He didn't take part in sin, but they said, look. And so I'm not advocating if you're weak and you're going to go in these things, don't go there. But these people need to be reached. And we need to, to, to realize where we are, what our area is, and tailor the gospel to them. And we need to weep for Harris for Carlisle like Jesus weep for Jerusalem. We have to. So we have to contextualize, not compromise the gospel. Um, let's go into verse 22. To the weak, I became weak. Some people say this goes back to 1 Corinthians uh, 8. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's right up on the wall, I guess. Uh, 1 Corinthians 8, he talks about the weaker and the stronger brother, those who um, could, uh, and essentially what it was is the younger brothers were the people who just got saved, maybe from pagan culture, and so they couldn't eat, they couldn't eat meat because it reminded them of their own sinful ways. For some people, that might mean, um, you know, Mark Driscoll talks about how there was a girl who got saved from the Rastafarian lifestyle. She couldn't listen to Rastafarian music because it reminded her of when she used to be a pothead. She couldn't do that, and it was wrong for her. And, 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 uh, and so, um, wait, what was I talking? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> you get on a roll and you forget, okay. Um, and so the thing is, so I'm not advocating, I, I don't think that's what he's talking about, is the weaker Christians who are just in there. He's in the con context of evangelism. So the weak, I believe, are socioeconomical weak. Those who um, were at the will of the stronger aristocratic people. And if there's people, the stronger Christians in, who called themselves strong in Corinth were all about the wisdom and the knowledge. And they came across real strong. And later we're going to find out that I, they were beating the air, not knowing the target to who they were reaching. And so what Paul says is earlier, he said, I don't want to get paid. I don't want to come across like a huge professional pastor. When I'm, when I'm in talking to people who are of lower value, I don't want to come in and be like, all right, people, and, and throw around some 17th century English. And seem, no, I'm going to come down to their level and say, hey, you don't understand this? All right, I'll be patient with you. I'm going to share the gospel with you again. He's going to come across not offensive again by his own freedoms, but by the biggest mode, by reaching the gospel to people. So he became weak, that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. It, the purpose-driven Christian is all about saving some. You know, his, his theology is Calvinistic, and it's almost like his, his methodology is Arminian. He knows God's in control, and that's why he goes out, because God predestined some. He doesn't know who they are, but God also predestined us to go out and be the vehicle to save some. And so they were like, all right, there's already people who are going to be one. I need to go out there and find those people. And then here in this area, there's a lot of people that you live next to. There's people you work next to, share a cubicle with. And you're like, well, he says he already goes to a church. Maybe that church doesn't share the gospel. Talk about it with them. Talk about it with them. Oh, they say they, they use Jesus. A lot of people use Jesus. I went to, uh, last fall, I went to a Brazil-U.S. national game. They were in Chicago. <laughs> One of the funniest things is that all these Brazilian guys wear, um, they wear uh, different uniforms of like, they'll have, uh, one of the famous guys is, is Kaká, and they'll have a Kaká jersey. Um, and and uh, 
And these guys are clearly not caca. And, and, and people will wear Michael Jordan jerseys from far away. And like, oh man, that's Michael Jordan down there. And you come up close, and that's not Michael Jordan. It's the same way with Jesus. People are like, yeah, Jesus. You get closer, that's not Jesus. It's the same way. Don't accept that. Be, delve in there deeper. Now, don't be the guy who's selling Cutco to his family. Don't be that guy. You know, where you feel like you're leveraging your friendship and your relationship upon Cutco, and you're like, hey, how are you doing? You know, something changed my life. I want you to come over here. All right, I got over here quickly. Let me show you this knife that can cut through a shoe. <laughs> and, they're like, and then you're like, are you sure you want to leave? And you're locking the door. We don't want that. We don't want to be forceful. But just love them in, 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 in word and deed. <laughs> so let's keep going forward here. And he says he does it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share it with them and its blessings. When people come to Christ it is awesome. It is awesome. It's a new experience. And uh, um, so anyways, let's go to 24 to 27. Um, it's very long. I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, you guys a break. You guys already have a break with notes. You guys don't get carpal tunnel or anything, so give, give you guys a week off. Um, 24 to 27. A lot of people, there's some debate on what this means. Some people take this to mean, and I'm sure you guys have used this, we're like, you beat your body black and blue. Wake up at 5 a.m. That's what Paul did. And it's not a strict ascetic way. I, don't, I, don't, I, I can't buy that. Early, early church fathers, like Origen, who castrated himself and kept himself celibate, obviously, um, if he's <laughs> castrated, um, he took it a strong uh, uh, asceticism as I, I restrict myself. And I don't think that's what we're talking about here because he's talking about winning the lost and it's, and it's attached here to this section. So I think when he's talking about... Um, uh, when he's talking about discipline, I think it's giving up your rights, giving up the fact that when Paul was hanging out with the Jewish people, he did not eat bacon, and he wore the robes. You know, to Timothy, he, he circumcised Timothy. That is the ultimate sign of getting into a culture. That, I don't know that there's more. But he circumcised Timothy at an adult age, so that when he went and talked to the Jews, he wasn't offensible to them. They listened to him, like, can't talk to that dirty dog. Can't. And so he comes up, and they're like, oh, he's circumcised, he's different, all right, he's like us, now I can share. All right, I'll listen to what this guy has to say. Again, not the vehicle, but the message that's offensive. Message that's offensive. So let's go through this. Verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete? Do you not know? It's the Greek term oida, and it's experiential knowledge. There's two forms. Uh, gnosko is, is um, intellectual knowledge. Oida is experiential. So he's saying, do you not know? You know through experience. Uh, that all, uh, what is it, I lost it, that all run in a race. Um, and the Greek word here is stadio, it's stadium. So it's, do you not know, because you've been there, that all the people who run in a stadium compete? He's probably referring to the Ismanian games that take place in Corinth, which is the second biggest games at this time behind only the Olympics. They had a stadium right there. Paul probably went to the games. They were in the years 49 and 51. Paul probably sat in the stands, ordered carbonated milk with everyone, and watched people run. Okay, so he knows. He says, you, I know you know because I sat next to you and watched you watch the race. Paul probably watched the race too, but, um, and he says, but only one receives the prize. This is not to say only one person gets saved. A lot of people get hung up on this and they say, how is this possible? Origin, early church father said, only one gets saved. Maybe they're talking about Jesus. No, what he's saying is it's like a parable. You can't Take a whole illustration and say, this is the worldview. Even with the prodigal son, there's one point to the prodigal son, the parable. Not everything within it fits the exact 
worldview that it's not fully telling you about Jesus or fully about God, but it's saying everyone gets excited when a sinner comes back to God. And it's the same way with this, that it's not maybe that only one wins, but when you're running and people are competing, you exert yourself much harder. That's the concept. You run much harder. Um, maybe if, you, if you're running down a road and you think you're running pretty hard, and, but then in your race and someone's pushing you to beat you, somehow you find an extra gear. Somehow you do. And that's what it's like. Run as if someone's pushing you so hard to beat you. That's the mentality you need to have about reaching the culture with the gospel that never changes. It never changes. I'm going to say this. The gospel never changes, and it's a sin to change the gospel. It is. But it's a sin not to change the methodology of the gospel. The way, if we're still doing the same things we did 30 years ago, that's wrong. Because the ultimate thing in our mind is not reaching the culture today with the gospel. Our, we haven't done everything we can to, to go out and reach people. And, and, and now it's become comfort. And the biggest hang up for us as Christians, mostly conservative, is tradition. Because we've done things a lot of ways and routine comes in. We're like, it's very comfortable. And that's why a lot of people go back to the Catholic church, not because you're saved through the different elements, but because the Pope tells you what to do, it's easy, come in, okay, I learned everything. You don't have to think for yourself. And so it's, it's hard, and we, we don't like this. We, we always want to get routines. I go to bed every night, and I, when people break that routine, if they have a routine of eating a certain time, I hate that. I, I'm all out of whack. I don't know what's going on. And it's the same way with reaching the culture um, with the gospel that doesn't change. Because where they're at now is not where they were 15 years ago. Francis Schaeffer talks about how uh, philosophy and a shift of culture goes philosophy, arts. The last thing is always theology. And we're always lagging behind. And you can see that in Christian music in years past. It seems <laughs> DC Talk changed their genre like four times. When it was popular to be rappers, they were rappers. And then, but they were always behind. And then they became like almost a boy band. And it, 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 Christian is always following years behind where the culture is. What I'm saying is, why don't we meet them where they're at? That's not sin. It's not worldliness. Sometimes we think that, oh, oh, can't go to a concert. People, there's worldliness there. It doesn't mean if you don't struggle with it, don't go. And I'm, I'm, what I'm, I, I should say that if there is actual sin, there's you know, lewd things that can... <laughs> You know, I'm not saying to go to a strip club where there's a concert. Not that at all. But what I am saying is to get into the culture, to find out where people are today. Get into, where's business at today? Uh, evangelize them. And it's not a sin to get into culture and to change. Think about this. Why do you want the same songs we've been singing 15 years ago? I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to condemn that. We are singing that now. I'm, not, I'm just saying, why would you want to hold on to those? Think about that. Because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. We, that's what we know. It's what, it's what I like. I like listening to the oldies because that's when I was, uh, my age here on stage, those are the things that connected with me. But at some point, those were contemporary. We have to find what's contemporary today. And I believe that it is wrong not to. For your own comfort, it is wrong. It is. But I'm not advocating changing the gospel. Paul went in, he went into the Gentile realm and said, I'm still under Christ, so I'm not going to go and sin. Sometimes we choose, we choose the gospel over the culture, obviously. We stand against the culture for the sake of the culture because of the gospel. So, so he says, every athlete 
exercises self-control in all things, giving up his rights. I believe that's what he's talking about. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. And I think what this is referring to, he's, he's talking about these people who are wise and smart in Corinth. The people who, um, who, who come across and, I know this, the contenders, and I know this. And there's no one, they're just beating the air and the people are over here being like, you're answering questions that I'm not even asking. Because you have no idea what's going on in the culture. You have no idea. So he says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. I, I allow myself, I discipline my body. He, he, um, he doesn't accept things that he can for the ultimate good. Seneca, who was a contemporary of Paul, talked about, uh, and the athletic, I know a lot of pastors say use a lot of um, athlete metaphors, and people are like, I never played sports in high school. I have no idea what this guy, wrestling, basketball, I, I have no idea. But at this time, uh, athlete or athletic Olympic game metaphors were very popular. And the guy like Seneca, wasn't, um, he wrote and he talked about a metaphor at the Olympics, and it, wasn't, and it was all about the ultimate good of the race. It was the ultimate good of the training. It's like dieting. No one likes the diet itself. Everyone likes the final result, right? And you're almost crazy if you do. You almost love pain, okay? Everyone the day before the diet is like, man, that is the greatest day ever. Because that's an excuse to eat whatever you want. You're like, man, what's going to diet tomorrow? I'm going to go out to Taco Bell, hit Wendy's. I'm going right up the pike. Uh, I'm going to hit it all, and I've got my check card. Um, and then, but tomorrow, the next day, you're like, oh, my stomach got so huge, and now I can only have 800 calories. And you're like, oh, now there's nothing to put in that huge stomach. And the first couple of days, it stinks. A diet stinks. But the ultimate good down the road, you could you lose 35 pounds. You're like, that's great, because that's the ultimate good. So it's not the struggle. It's not enjoying the struggle. It's not enjoying the fact that I, Paul had to get into the Jewish culture. Not enjoying the fact that Paul had to go into the Gentiles. He did it for the ultimate good of reaching people. You might not like some of the culture of the people you work with. They, oh man, they listen to crazy country music. And they listen to that blue-collar comedy tour. Or I don't know, something. Like, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on. It might not be enjoyable, but get into it. Be like, hey, man, ask questions. Bridge a gap to the culture. Lest, uh, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified in the ultimate race. Because he wants to find them so we can stand before God and say, I want to run the race. I'm a purpose-driven Christian who is looking and seeking for people. I'm always pushing ahead. All things to all people. Now, some of this, I want to advocate. Some people here are contenders. I don't know as many as when I go to school. Um, there's always debates in all rooms. And I, I think that's youthfulness. But there's a lot of older people who are like, this is what the Bible says. And that's great because we need to defend that. But we don't need to be mean about it. We have the gospel. Now use it. But on the other side, we don't want to be so into the culture and so cool and blonde highlights or blogging on the internet and think we're awesome and so into the culture. We don't share the gospel. We don't want to be so into hanging out with our friends who are unsaved that we, when people are like, so what do you believe? I'm like, I don't know, what do you believe? Man up, take one for the team and tell them that, you know what? Jesus is different. Are you judging me? Kind of, Jesus is. Share it with them. Be different. So what I'm advocating is when you go into the culture, have unsaved friends, don't 
And people are like, oh man, bad company corrupts good morals. I agree with that. I do. People, people might talk to me after the service and be like, ah, you're so in the worldliness. What I'm saying is you can sin, be grounded in a church, be grounded in great accountability, and then go out and meet people. I'm not telling you to go out and then all of your new groups of friends be all these people who are in the, the bad things. Because you, you will start to go down the road. But be grounded at church. Your effectiveness is, is maintained about you being in the scriptures and then going out. We have to have this mentality. We have to. We have to be sensitive to this area because we're going to give an account for what we've done here. And if we say, man, you know what? I, I, I did missions. I got onto a plane and I went into India and I got malaria. You're going to question me? Um, I, I took one. I was there a couple weeks. And that's great. That's great. But what did you do in the everyday life with the people that were closest to you? I put you there for a reason. I didn't, you didn't live in India. You lived here. I put you there for a reason, and I'm glad you had a heart to reach there. I'm not, I'm not, I am not against a world, of, a world missions. I am not. But I'm against people who are just about world missions and not against their close missions. And it's a problem. Um, so today, um, some things to think about is uh, how are you evangelizing your area? What, what are you saying about the gospel? If you say you're a Christian, you pray before your food in a public restaurant, be nice to the waitress. Be nice to her. Don't just pray and then be like, hey, where's my food at? Where's my food? <laughs> because now you're saying, oh, uh, and then they're like, I go to Grace Community Church. You know, like, wow, that's some great advertisement. Thank you. That's, that's, not what, that's not what we want. When you say you're a Christian, act like a Christian. It changes people. Don't say you're a Christian and then live like filth because what you're saying is that Jesus, the truth, is like the filth that you live like. It, now, it doesn't save you, but it's a follow of obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your son. Um, it's life-changing. Uh, Lord, I, we, we are not perfect. We don't presume to be. And that <laughs> it keeps us humble because it wasn't anything that we've done and it's not anything that we could um, have thought, read, or do that merits your favor. And all of our deeds are like filthy rags. You came down while we were sinners. You died for us. Lord, and I, I pray that we keep the gospel. We maintain the gospel, that we fight for it, and we hold that paramount. That we don't just hide it under a bushel, because that is wrong. Because other people cannot see the light. And everything we do, whether it's money, we don't, use, uh, we don't use people to get money, but we use money to love people. Lord, I pray this, this be our prayer that Grace Community has so much potential that if we, we all get on board with this and we, man, we can be quite a lighthouse for this area. I pray. Pray as we go out this week that we, we uh, love those we come in contact with and they have a positive outcome um, and they, they see us when they come in contact. Something's different. I pray, Lord. Uh, I pray that you bless us this day and we have sweet fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen.